You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. You can be seated. Good morning to those in the Life Center today. and Good morning to those who are watching the chapel today. So grateful for all of you guys being here. Uh, Kirk and Carol are two Highlanders, and they had a fire uh, in their house a few weeks ago. They didn't see the flames, they just saw the smoke and, and followed the smoke to, to the flames. Maybe just a little public service announcement for everybody here today. When you smell smoke in your house, it's a good thing not to shrug your shoulders and just walk away from it. It's always good to follow the trail of smoke and figure out what's on fire. If there's depression in your life, anxiety in your life, anger in your life. It's good to, to follow that trail and, and see what's, what's happening in the heart. It could be that a devastating fire is about to come. So I want to talk today about an emotion that probably all of us in this house and all watching the chapel and all watching online have probably experienced at least in varying degrees, and that's anxiety. Anxiety is, is an issue that gives birth to many other issues. It's like a, a fire that does spread very quickly. Here's what Piper says about anxiety. Think about how many sins are connected to the root of anxiety. Anxiety about money will cause you to hoard or to steal. Anxiety about succeeding will make you irritable or selfish. Anxiety about relationships will make you immoral or indifferent. Anxiety about what others think of you will make you stretch the truth. If anxiety can be conquered, a mortal blow would be struck to many sins. Now, I look around a room filled with people. I know that the chapel has a lot of people today, a lot of people watching online today. For most of us, Anxiety is a choice that we make. But I also want to be very clear up here at the front. For some people, anxiety is not a choice that you're making. It might be a part of your physiological makeup. It may be because of a past traumatic experience that you had. I want to be careful not to collapse all anxiety into a spiritual bucket. Because I do understand that there's a lot of physical or physiological um, reasonings at time be behind anxiety. I'm not a doctor. I barely passed biology at Baylor, so I'm not, I'm not a doctor. That was a clearinghouse class for me when I was at Baylor, and it cleared out my house. I did not do so well in biology, but I am a preacher of, of God's word, of, of the gospel. So we're going to see today some of the, the spiritual roots, if you will, of, of anxiety. So for those of you who have significant issues with anxiety, I would strongly encourage you to, to contact us for a reference to a counselor, to a doctor, for some resources that you might need because of anxiety that you are experiencing. Again, not something that you're choosing, but something that's kind of chosen for you. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if anxiety is debilitating for you, we strongly encourage you to speak to a counselor who can help you, who can, who can help with some resources or medication or some best practices for you. But again, for most of us, 
anxiety is something that we have chosen to do. If that's you today, as that's me today, let's just agree that Jesus has a good word for us. So whether it is an unchosen medical health issue that you might have or something that you are choosing, here's, here's what's true of everybody here today. God cares deeply for you. So let's go to the gospel of Matthew together. And I hope you have a copy of God's word or at least your phone with you today. Let's go to Matthew chapter six together. Let's stay in Matthew six for the remainder of, of this morning as we have gathered in his name and gathered around his word. Matthew chapter six, we'll begin in verse 24. This is a series of some incredible short sermons that Jesus preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven. It it is an array of topics that Jesus addressed, but he certainly addresses anxiety. We're gonna begin in verse 24. Matthew chapter six. Jesus speaking from a hillside. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Remember, he's outside. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon and all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we well wear for the Gentiles? They seek after all of these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. There's an overarching thing that's happening all throughout those verses, verse 24 through 34. So let me give that to you first, and then we'll kind of unpack it from there. So for you note takers, this is kind of the, this is the, the big picture of the sermon we just heard from Jesus. And here it is. We are most anxious about the things to which we are most devoted. That's what we get anxious about. Those things to which we are most highly devoted. So in other words, I think what Jesus is saying here is anxiety isn't just some emotion that arises from the uncertainties of life. But Jesus said instead it's an emotion that's connected to our deepest desires. Highland, want to know what you're most devoted to? What are you most worried about? Let me prove this to you. Moms and dads, I... I don't worry about your kids' grades. I'm, I ain't devoted to your kids' academic success. And I just used the word ain't, so you don't want me devoted to your kids' academic success. 
Uh, You don't worry about my kids' grades. Uh, You worry about your kids' grades, moms and dads, because you're devoted to your kids. Those in the workforce, I don't lose a whole lot of sleep about the project that you turned in last week. Because I'm not as devoted to your job as you are. Students, I'm not really that anxious about the paper you turned in to your professor last week because I'm not as devoted to your classes as you are or you should be. We worry about the things that we're most devoted to, which is why Jesus begins this sermon on anxiety by challenging us at the point of our devotions. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Uh, Unfortunately, in a lot of our Bibles, that is before the, quote, little subtitle there of do not be anxious sermon by Jesus. But really, verse 24 is a part of the anxiety sermon. You cannot serve God and money. What's the very next word there? Verse 25, therefore, or thank you, New American Standard folks, for this reason. It's it's the Greek word um, hutoi, which is just a a perfect transition or perfect connection into the next phrase. Therefore, because that's true about your devotion of what you're devoted to, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what what you will drink. Jesus understands here that we are most anxious about the things that we're most devoted to. So when he discusses anxiety right here, he starts with the big one, money which might be translated to you, security, or comfort. He says if you're devoted to money, you'll worry about it all the time. If you think that money is the one most needed, indispensable element for a good life, then you'll constantly be worried about money, getting money, getting more and more money, not losing money, saving your money, keeping your money. You see, maybe it's not money for you, but if you're devoted to like having the best health you can ever have, you'll be anxious about it all the time. If you're devoted about raising the perfect kid, of which there is no such thing, but if you're devoted to that, you'll be anxious about it all the time. If you're devoted to everyone liking you, you'll be anxious about it. If you're devoted to your social status, You'll constantly be anxious about it if you're devoted to your success, like that's your highest devotion, then you'll constantly be anxious about your success. This is what Jesus is saying. We're most anxious about the things to which we are most devoted, which is really kind of Jesus because it instantly allows us to take an inventory of the reality of our heart. What are you anxious about? Jesus would submit to us today, that's what you're devoted to. So let's expose anxiety for what it is. That's what it is. That's what Jesus does really in this sermon. He's exposing anxiety. Here's the very first thing. Anxiety thinks that God is small. Again, let's expose anxiety for what it is. This is what Jesus does in this incredible sermon. Anxiety thinks that God is small. Anxiety thinks too little of God. Because it begins to elevate the, the keeping or the obtaining of things outside of him. We begin to think that other things are more essential in life than God himself. But then we see here that life is more than making a lot of money. It's more than just career choices. It's, life is so much more than good parenting techniques or finding the right person to marry 
Or as Jesus said, with your Bible still open, the end of verse 25, is not life more than just food or, and the body more than just clothing? Jesus will later on say in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. Anxiety thinks that God is really small. Anxiety says God is small and all the things that you're worried about, those are big things. Anxiety says don't put your faith in God. Put your faith in your possessions or put your faith in your emotions. Anxiety really can be a faith issue, which is why Jesus said at the very end of verse 30, I hope your Bible is still open, oh, you of little faith. Anxiety, honestly, if we're to be very transparent about it, and confess to one another, anxiety really says, God, I don't think you can come through for me. So I'm gonna have to step up and do life myself. I'm gonna have to do things on my own. Now that really should produce anxiety. If you wanna be in charge of your own life, because anxiety is telling you that God is small, that he's not gonna come through for you, he's not gonna provide for you, you're gonna have to depend upon yourself and just provide for yourself, that is angst producing. Here's the second thing that Jesus exposes about anxiety. Anxiety underestimates how much God thinks of you. Anxiety will cry out to you, your God is small. Anxiety will also try to convince you that God does not think highly of you or think much of you or cares for you. And so for you future lawyers out there, or some of you present lawyers or present law students, Jesus uses a great argumentative technique right here in his sermon. He goes from a, he uses a lesser to greater argument. He is saying, Jesus is saying, if God is the kind of God that cares about the safety of birds and the beauty of flowers and the lifespan of grass, don't you think he thinks of you in greater ways? Bible still open. Look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. Uh, They neither sow nor reap nor gather into bars. They're not busy. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. And here's 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 the kicker. Are you not of more value than they? Verse 30, Jesus says a very similar thing. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You know what Jesus is doing here? He's pointing to the character of his father. And Christian, by the way, he is your father also. It is so obvious in creation that we serve this giving, supplying, protecting, overseeing God. He's a a good father who thinks so much of his daughters and and his sons. In fact, let me just say, I think it's spiritually irrational for a Christ follower to choose anxiety. It really makes no sense for you and I to choose anxiety because when you and I as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus here today and you're choosing anxiety, what you're really saying is it means that you believe God can take you to heaven, but he can't take care of you here on earth. It is spiritually irrational for a Christian to choose anxiety because if you choose anxiety, what you're saying is, God, I know that you're good for all of eternity, but I think you're insufficient for this time, for my life, for this span. If 
we choose anxiety, we are saying, I know that you delivered me from a Christless eternity, but you're not going to deliver me in the details of my daily life. Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm going to try to offend every person here in this room by saying this. We've got to stop acting, acting like atheists. We've got, Christ Father, we've got to stop acting like there is no God. Or if there is one, he's unbelievably incapable. We either believe in the biblically established character of God or we do not. This is what Jesus is saying in, in, in verse 32. Chapter 6, verse 32. For the Gentiles, they seek after all these things. But your heavenly Father, he knows what you need. He knows that you need all of these things. Uh, Jesus is saying here, the Gentiles, that's, that's another word here for, for pagans or for godless people uh, or for West Virginia fans, people who don't know God at all. But by contrast, he's also saying in verse 32, we have a heavenly dad who cares so deeply about his people, so deeply about his kids. He thinks much of you. And if you came in here today exhausted and tired and, and you're, you're barely hearing every other word that I'm saying, would you please leave with this truth? God cares deeply for you. Deeply for you. Here's the third thing. Jesus exposes anxiety. I'll just put it this way. Anxiety is a big fat liar. Anxiety will lie to you over and over and over again. How does anxiety lie to us? Because it overpromises and always underdelivers. Anxiety says, now just hear me say this out loud and consider the ridiculous nature of this next sentence I'm about to say. Anxiety says, if I intensely worry, things will get better. If I'm just really anxious about things, maybe things will improve for me. Isn't that a ridiculous statement? How ridiculous it is that we choose anxiety over trust. Anxiety says if you will intensely worry about things, maybe things will improve, but that's a lie. But Jesus says this in verse 27. Jesus confronts the lying nature of anxiety when he says in verse 27, and which of you, by being anxious, can even add a single hour to his span of life? Anxiety does not add anything to your life. And I would say to you just the opposite. It takes away from your life. Anxiety is a liar because it makes us think that we have some control. If we can just worry about things, that maybe things will get better. Maybe we will feel better if we're anxious. But anxiety is a liar. Listen, anxiety did not hang on a cross for you. What makes more spiritual sense? Worrying? which produces nothing or trusting in a God who can do all things. You see, anxiety is a big, fat liar. And a lot of us in this house and a lot of us on this stage right now and a lot of us watching online and a lot of people in the chapel, we have fallen for that lie over and over again. If I can just be anxious, I will have some control over my life and things will get better. What a lie. So what's the conclusion to this incredible sermon? You know, it's a terrifying thing, honestly, to try to re-preach Jesus' sermon better. I mean, I really, I could have done to you today is just read verse 24 through 34 and walk off the stage and that would be sufficient. 
But what's the conclusion of this whole matter? Verse 33, this is, this is the crux of this portion of the sermon. Verse 33, Jesus' sermon. But seek first. In fact, just the very first word there, you understand everything now shifts. You're worried about things. Anxiety has lied to you. It has overpromised. It has undelivered. It has done nothing for you. It makes you think that God is small. It makes you think that God doesn't think much of you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. The, the social status and, and healthy relationships and taking care of yourself and good grades, all those are good things, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. And then all of these things, I might add parenthetically, in God's timing and by his grace will be added to you. Here's what I want to say. You can put your energy this week into anxiety or you can put your energy this week into trusting God. My last statement is this. The God who saved you yesterday and delivered you today or is delivering you today will certainly, surely provide for you tomorrow. He's just good like that. He is faithful like that. It's not just his characteristic, it's his name. He is faithful You see, anxiety says that God is small. Jesus says that God is big. Anxiety is a big, fat liar. God is a big, faithful God. So my really pointed question I have for you today, probably one of those questions that may make you think, I wish I had not shown up at Highland today, is this. To what or to whom are you most devoted That's the revealing nature of this sermon of Jesus. Who are you truly devoted to today? What is your highest aim? Or to take a word from verse 33, what do you seek first? Who do you seek first? Let me just say that anything outside of Jesus is a lesser God. So seek God today by putting your trust in Jesus today. He cares deeply for you. Where do you need to look to see how deep that care is? The cross of his son, Jesus. God, who did not spare his own son, will certainly graciously give us all things. Would you stand with me, please, and let's pray together. God, I ask forgiveness, and maybe many of us here today need to ask forgiveness because we we have thought you were small. We have been practical atheists. God, I ask forgiveness today, maybe many of us today need to ask forgiveness that we have underestimated how, how much you think of us, how highly you think of us. God, forgive us that we believe you can take us to heaven, but you can't handle us on earth. You're a heavenly dad who cares so deeply for your daughters, so deeply for your sons. We thank you for that peace you give, God, through Christ Jesus, that peace that passes human comprehension. And I would pray for all today who have anxious hearts that that peace would capture us. We'd be overwhelmed by the God who can 
do all things, by the Savior who can even cause the storms and the winds to cease. This Jesus can also calm our hearts and cause anxiety to cease. God, you're good for all of eternity. Forgive us when we think that you're insufficient for this time. It's the name of Christ that we believe and we now joyfully, with great faith, sing. Amen.